Democracy. 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 Für ein starkes Europa der Kulturen und Regionen, welches nicht European Democracy Lab Podcast from the Institute of European Democrats. What if we put local banks at the heart of Europe's sustainable growth? Because they were too big to fail. Too big to fail. After the great financial crisis of the past decade, no other expression has framed our understanding of the financial world quite so well. In fact, the too-big-to-fail expression has become so prominent in the public debate that we automatically associate the world of finance with nothing else but big banks and related brands. It would be useless to mention them all. You probably know big banks in your country best. But technically, the expression too-big-to-fail stands for any financial player, be it a commercial or investment bank, which in the case of bankruptcy would bring down the whole economic system or trigger a fully-fledged economic crisis. This is all the more important when a given financial player is too-big-to-fail, then the costs for the ordinary citizen can be enormous. As a report by the European Court of Auditors from 2019 pointed out, bank bailouts funded by taxpayers were an important component of the EU's response to the financial crisis. Between 2008 and 2017, the European Commission approved aid to the financial sector of over 5,000 billion euros. But the too-big-to-fail story is not part of Europe's past. It pretty much defines our present. EU leaders established a European banking union that aims to tackle the risks created by financial institutions that are deemed, once again, as too big to fail. Today, the European banking union is widely considered to be an important step towards a genuine economic and monetary union. But what if the world of finance wasn't all about the big financial players? What if, by focusing on the big financial institutions, European leaders have overlooked the real elephant in the room? What if the economic growth of Main Street, to use an American phrase, wasn't actually linked to the too-big-to-fail institutions? Let's take this one step at a time. According to the European Commission, the backbone of Europe's economy are small to medium-sized enterprises, or SMEs. In fact, SMEs represent 99% of all businesses in the EU, employ around 100 million people, and account for more than half of Europe's GDP. Now, guess what? It's not the too-big-to-fail institutions that help these enterprises to thrive. On the contrary, it's local banks that are relatively small in size. In other words, all over Europe, local banks play a pivotal role in financing small and medium-sized enterprises, which in turn are the drivers of regional development. This is not wishful thinking, but based on sound research. Bernhard Herz is a professor of economics at the University of Bayreuth in Germany and managing director of the Research Center on Banking Law and Banking Policy. His colleague Horst Gischer is a professor of economics at Magdeburg University and managing director of the Research Center for Saving Banks Development. 
Hertz and Gischer have co-authored a research paper released by the Institute of European Democrats entitled Cooperative Banks and Municipal Saving Banks. Which effects do local banks have on SMEs? The aim of the study is to analyse how regions and SMEs can realise their full potential. The results of the research show that local banks are crucial for sustainable regional development in Europe. I had a chance to talk to Professor Hertz about the role of local banks in the development of SMEs. Professor Hertz explained that SMEs are drivers of growth because they can adapt swiftly to changing economic conditions. However, to understand why local banks are so important for SMEs, you need to look at their weaknesses rather than strengths. Kleine Mittelunternehmen haben ein, einen systematischen Nachteil und ist der Zugang zur, zur Finanzierung. Small and medium-sized enterprises suffer from a systematic disadvantage, namely the difficulty of accessing financial resources. The issue is twofold. First of all, an SME can obtain financial resources by resorting either to the capital market or to banks. And it's just a fact that SMEs have a problem in accessing the capital market because the implied costs are too high. So much so that this path falls out. In the second place, financing can occur via own capital or foreign capital. But also in this case, it is still a challenge. And that's why banks play such a big role for SMEs. But also, obtaining a loan can become a real challenge. And this is linked to a particular problem that in economic literature goes under the name of asymmetric information. Professor Hertz explains. Eine Kreditvergabe ist ein ganz schwieriges Geschäft. Issuing a bank loan is something very difficult. The point is that a creditor and a debtor have different information at hand. Those who need a loan know the investment project really well. But the bank, on the other hand, has only limited knowledge and needs to understand if the project is valuable. Is it safe to concede the credit? Should I issue the loan at all? And if I do so, under which conditions? How big is the risk I'm taking up? Should I demand a risk premium? In such a situation, being a larger company can obviously be an advantage. Now, the point is that big businesses have the advantage of having a standardized reporting procedure. So banks know a lot about these kinds of enterprises. And therefore, the decision of issuing a credit is easier compared to the case of SMEs, which are often individual businesses. So how can small enterprises compete? Well, this is exactly when local banks step in. They are, so to speak, in a better position to solve the information asymmetry problem when the business asking for a loan is a small or medium enterprise. When SMEs and regional banks are geographically close one to each other, banks can define easier how a given SME is structured, 
how good its business actions are and therefore its investments. There are plenty of soft indicators that can be observed. These stem from daily observations. Sometimes knowledge stems from personal relationships. There can be many sources of information, so to speak, which are as precise as the degree of geographical proximity between banks and the SMEs. As a consequence, the bank can evaluate the safety of a loan. The credit is given away earlier and the risk is lower. This means as well that the cost of the investment is smaller due to lower interest rates. So far so good. However, in any European town, the high streets are populated with the branches of the big financial players rather than the local ones. So haven't the big financial institutions been able to embrace the local dimension as well? Let's take the Swedish example, a country that features a few bigger banks with a network of branches that reach across the country. Well, there is this idea that big banks reach out everywhere through these branches. And so the narrative goes that the big banks can take up the role of local and regional banks. At first sight, this makes a lot of sense. But the devil lies in the detail, or in this case, should we say, in corporate governance. But it must be clear that the whole loan issuing process is concentrated in regional administrative structures anyhow and managed by specialists. And the latter are as distant from local realities, notwithstanding the proximity of a local bank holding their name. The decisions are taken in the headquarters anyhow. It's all a question of corporate governance. And so we are back to square one to the disadvantages small or medium-sized enterprises face. Laboral Kutscher is a Basque credit union located in Mondragon that was established in March 2012 as a result of a merger between Caja Laboral Popular Sociedad, Cooperativa de Crédito on the one hand, and Iparcucha Rural Sociedad, Cooperativa de Crédito on the other hand. Laboral Cucha might not have the same international appeal as other financial brands in Europe, yet it is clear that this is an example of how a local and cooperative banking model can play a pivotal role in the development of a given European region. Susana Andres is the commercial director of Laboral Cucha and she explained to me the ins and outs of a regional banking business. I can point out that 75% of our offices are located in these geographical areas in which we've been present since the beginning. In the different territories of our traditional market we are placed in, we are in the first position in market shares. Thus, where the important part of our business is concentrated Actually, to really understand the roots of the business, one needs to focus on the history of Caja Laboral, one of the two entities that merged to become Laboral Cucha. More specifically, one needs to go back to the 1950s and to the very peculiar life of a priest. His name was Don José María Arias Mendiarrieta. 
To understand uh, our banking model a little better, it's necessary to focus on the origin of Caja Laboral back in 1959. A few years earlier, in 1955, the young priest, Don Jose Maria Arizmendi Arrieta, encouraged a group of young people from Mondragon to leave the factories where they worked to create their own company based on the idea of workers' democracy. A year later, the first company was established as the first point from which the entire cooperative movement would later emerge with the birth of other cooperatives. The establishment of the first cooperative paved the way to founding the first cooperative financial institution that served local needs. All this network that was being built around Mondragon demanded social, economic and business services. And for this, in 1959... Caja Laboral was born. It had to attract resources from the cooperative members themselves to allocate them to their own needs. Since then, Caja Laboral has come a long way. From being a cooperative to serve other cooperatives, it's become a financial reference also for families, businesses, and other companies. With a workforce of 2,000 people, more than a million and a hundred clients and more than 285 branch offices. Fast forward more than 60 years and the business philosophy has not changed significantly. It's all about knowing the ins and outs of the local territory. We have a very prominent role in the business of families, freelancers and small companies. And we can say that our cooperative banking is a benchmark in the financial world of our environment and as a consequence, a relevant agent in the development of the territory. Fast forward more than 60 years, and the business philosophy has not changed significantly. It's all about knowing the ins and outs of the local territory. We have a very prominent role in the business of families, freelancers and small companies. And we can say that our cooperative banking is a benchmark in the financial world of our environment and as a consequence, a relevant agent in the development of the territory. Do you believe that there's enough recognition of the role that local cooperative credit institutions like yours play in Europe? And what could be improved? Well, the answer for this question is uh, absolutely not. I think that the Previous crises have an extraordinary impact on the medium and large entities. So some of them have disappeared and others have to resort to public aid, which didn't happen with the credit cooperatives. Despite this, dominant line of opinion has boosted to banking concentration with the larger entities with the argument of greater solidity and efficiency. Moreover, an extraordinary regulatory and supervisory capacity has been developed, which requires entities an enormous amount of resources to be able to respond to it, result disproportionate for small entities such as credit cooperatives, especially when it's been shown that their management has been guided by prudence and banking orthodoxy and has not required aid funds. The establishment of the European Banking Union has been widely greeted as a major step in the process of European integration. The European Banking Union brought about a number of regulatory requirements in terms of rules and internal structures that apply to local banks.
These regulations are primarily aimed at tackling the risks created by financial institutions that are too big to fail, but they can also limit the freedom of institutions like Laboral Cucha. So what has been your experience of the EU banking and credit sector reforms and the establishment of the European Banking Union over the last three years? Well, the establishment of the banking union has led to the establishment of unique regulatory and supervisory criteria in all European countries, with very limited space for the discretion of European regulators and supervisors. In this scenario, local specificities have not been taken into account. There is a tendency to regulate more and more areas of financial activity and with a higher level of complexity, which entails a disproportionate cost of compliance for entities of our size. It's true that European regulations handle the criterion of proportionality, but on many occasions, when it comes down to reality and to the day-to-day life of the entities, it's not enough to adapt to the reality of the smallest entities. Professor Hertz highlights a similar concern. What is going on right now under the banking union label is that a specific idea of how a bank ought to be, namely big and with standardized work processes, is streamlined. This normative idea of a big bank that represents more stability unravels a number of very differently structured banking systems. The banking systems we have today are the expression of long-lasting economic developments where banks and small and medium-sized enterprises try to find the best possible fit. Like Susanna Andres, Professor Hertz argues that a more diversified banking regulation system is needed that takes into account differences between Europe's regions. Der zentrale Punkt muss sein, dass mehr Platz für The key point should be that we need more space for regional and national exceptions within the banking system. This is important in light of what the financial crisis taught us, namely that regional banks worked as stabilizers of the economy. And it is a bit absurd that we are trying to solve the problems that derive from the big banks by regulating the future and that those who suffer the most from it are small banks, which, on the contrary, have played a stabilizing role during the financial crisis. There is perhaps a paradox at the heart of efforts to create European financial integration. On the one hand, local banks like Laboral Cucha act as stabilizers of the economy, a role that was well documented during the last financial crisis. On the other hand, local banks are disadvantaged by strong regulations that primarily target the big financial institutions that have been at the center of the most recent economic and financial crisis. Given this paradox, we thought it would be interesting to ask Ms. Andres about some other potential misunderstandings. In your opinion, what's the biggest misunderstanding that's present in the public debate around the role of local cooperative banks? Well, in my opinion, probably more than that misunderstanding in the public debate on the role of the cooperatives, the problem is that there is not a great debate on it. From our 
point of view, it's essential to promote a reflection on the importance of complementing the current trend to establish a single banking model, which will lead us to have a few large corporations in the medium term with a more social banking model and rooted in the territory, represented by credit cooperatives, which allows the generation of more diverse economic and financial ecosystems and more sustainable and balanced societies. So what if we started to recognise the importance of local banks in our economies? What if we rethought the development of the Banking Union project to think about how it actually impacts local creditors and, therefore, the small to medium-sized enterprises that are the real drivers of economic growth in Europe? Opening up a debate on the role of local and cooperative banks can help us in achieving a better balance between regulating those that are too big to fail and creating the right business environment for those who risk becoming too small to thrive. The European Democracy Lab podcast is a series by the Institute of European Democrats, a think tank and political foundation financed by the European Parliament. You can find more about this podcast and learn about our activities on the website www.iedonline.eu.